We're in a series called Better Together. From the beginning, from the Garden of Eden, I mean, God said there's something not right here. As soon as he created Adam, and you know Adam, he comes out, you know, he's been created by God. He looks like whoever your favorite is. He's, he's Brad Pitt. He's Zac Efron. He's Hugh Jackman dancing around with abs. It's amazing what the guy can do. And then he, and then he creates Eve, and she looks exactly the way God wanted her to look. If you thought I was going to start throwing out names for her, you are, you are not keeping up. You are not paying attention. <laughs> there is no way I'm walking into that trap under any circumstance, all right? But the reason that Eve was there is because God says it's not good. It's not good for man to be alone. And so he made for Adam, he made Eve. Eve, the idea was that they were two, they were one. And then Adam was split apart and they were made together as one. Again, that's some of the beauty of creation. She was not made to serve him. She was made to be his helpmeet. She was made to be the missing piece. So he's the missing piece for her. She's the missing piece for him. And those things, it makes sense now. We understand that in in relationship, in community, we are certainly better together. I am better today as a married guy to my wife, Angela, than I would ever be on my own. Some things just make sense that they would be better together. Chocolate is better with peanut butter. I have gotten amens on this today at different points. This is amazing. I mean, honestly, chocolate is better with anything, right? But we think of, there are some things that as we found, as we live our lives, they just seem to naturally go together. But there are some things that as we look at them from the outside, if we look at them as standalones, you may would not say those things would actually go well together. But we discover as we put them together, the things that look like complete opposites actually make things so much better when even they are together. All right, if chocolate is this thing by itself that goes better with anything, all right, I want you to think for just a moment about garlic, okay? Garlic by itself is not a good thing, okay? Those of you that take garlic pills, I hope they're making you healthy. We know when you walk in the door, it's fine. Uh, I hope your circulatory system or whatever it's doing for you is, is awesome. I hope that's, hope that's good. I mean, there, it, garlic's not good for anything other than like keeping vampires away. That's all it does, But I cannot wait until we are with Jesus in eternity. And I know this person is going to be there. Whoever the man or woman was who first introduced garlic and potatoes, this makes me happy. When I go into a restaurant and somebody has not just mashed potatoes, because I can get those in any country cooking restaurant anywhere. But if you have garlic mashed potatoes, the angels in heaven, they, they bend to their knees and they praise him. It's an amazing It's an amazing thing. So something that wasn't supposed to go with anything now makes something amazing out of pasta, potatoes, on and on it goes. But there's something else. I don't know if you're the kind of person who feels like you're the first to discover something and then everybody else jumps on. Are you one of these people? I'm one of these people where I feel like I'm the first to discover it and then the rest of you figure it out and I wish I had gotten the patent and I'd be rich or whatever the deal is. So I'm in high school And I figured out one of these things. I thought I was the first one to discover this. And then I found that a lot of other people had discovered this as well. Some of you are gonna know exactly what I'm talking about. You see the picture on the screen. This is what I'm talking about. All right. So I'm at Wendy's and you do the thing that you think is probably irresponsible. I'm in high school, so it's okay. You do this thing where you're like, I'm not just gonna get a meal. I'm gonna get a Frosty with my meal. Now you have a problem. The problem is with the frosty is what? 
it's a going to melt. So the proper order ordinarily is to eat your food and then dessert. This is news to some of you, but that's the proper thing, okay? You have your burger, you have your fries, and you have your frosty, but now you can't do it. The burger is wrapped in foil, it will be fine, okay? And you can reheat it in the microwave and it's not gonna be the worst thing to happen to that burger, all right? The fries, on the other hand, they're never coming back to their original glory. They're just not. And so somebody was the first one to do this. I think it was me, but it may not have been. Somebody was the first one to say, you know what? The frosty is going to melt. And there's only really one flavor of frosty. I don't know what, I don't know what's up with this vanilla thing, but frosties are chocolate. That's what you do. So the frosty is going to melt. The fries are going to wilt. And so you have this moment where like, God, is this okay? And you have them both in your mouth at the same time. And God says, not only is this okay, it's what I made these things for. It's awesome. And now the angel, the angels choirs, they're on their knees. They're singing like unbelievable. It's this amazing thing. And if you're, if you're brave enough now, I'm going to take this to another level. And I didn't do this first service, but you're the 11 o'clock service. And I think you can handle this. And people are watching from Vegas. I know they can handle this. So here's how this is going to go. If you, after you have all that in your mouth, take another fry, put it in some ketchup and then introduce that extra little piece in there. Listen, don't knock it till you try it. All right. I'm just telling you. All right. Things that you did not think go well together naturally. Sometimes some combinations are truly better. Truly, there are some things in life that you don't consider as being good at all. And yet when you add on the right ingredient, they truly become better together. Think of some things that you would say are not good at all. Grief. But God's word gives us the component to add to it to make it better. Grief is made better with gratitude. Fear is made better with faith. Hurry and stress are made better with generosity. Uncertainty is made better with obedience. Listen, one of the major points of this entire series, this Better Together series, is that the church is made stronger when each person engages the life of God in them. And understand this, the miracle of the local church with Jesus at the head is that people who might never otherwise go together, they come together under the banner of worshiping Jesus Christ, being taught by the same word, worshiping the same God, and together we can share in the same purpose and mission. There are people that our culture would say never belong in the same room, but they are in the room together today. There are liberal Democrats in this room. Don't identify yourself. You're in Georgia, all right? There are, but there are, there are liberal Democrats in this room. There are people who voted for Trump in this room. Please don't identify yourself for, for goodness sakes. But together, Seriously, our culture tells us those people don't belong in the same room. They're on polar opposite sides. They can't agree on anything, but together we can agree that Jesus Christ is the only way to God and together we can share in the same purpose and mission. And Listen, in this place, there, there, are, still pla- there are still parts of our culture that would say people of different racial backgrounds don't belong in the same room. Jesus said, I made all those racial backgrounds to be in the same room and to worship me. There are people that come from different economic backgrounds. There are cultures that says, you know what? They'll never figure it out together. They, they, they shouldn't be in the same room together, but yet under the banner of Jesus Christ and worshiping him, they're actually, we are all actually better together. Some things that you don't expect to be better together can actually make a dramatic difference in your everyday life if you know what combination to use. I want you to turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter four. 
Ephesians chapter four, we're gonna look at verses 11 through 16. Now, now here's why I wanna do this. I've heard messages, I think I've probably even given a message that only looks at verse 11 and 12. And there's a component to verse 11 and 12. And then if you look specifically at 13 and 14, which we're gonna do, I'm gonna do something I don't normally do, which is I'm gonna kind of go phrase by phrase and the note takers are gonna love it. There's some pictures that Paul paints. And so the picture, the drawer people, you guys are sketching as I write, y'all are gonna love it too. But there are things that are typically treated as different topics, different ingredients that people don't often put together that I think you'll see today, not only should they go together, but they're necessary and they can change the vitality and the quality of your life as a disciple of Jesus, if you will put it all together. So I'm gonna read all these, all these verses together and then we're gonna go back and break them down. It goes like this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head and to Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds up, so that it builds itself up in love. And I'm gonna take a a few moments and break this down. But the apostle Paul talks about this in different times. Pastor Brian talked about it a couple weeks ago. He, He writes about it in Corinthians and here in Ephesians that we are as a church, we are the body of Christ and we are all interconnected in ways that we don't often realize or often acknowledge. Even though we don't all know each other in this room or in the other two services that happen. But the things that happen in your house impact the things that happen in my house. The things that happen in my house impact your house. And together we all impact the house of God. Now let's look at the first verse at 11 for just a moment. Verse 11 gives us a list with five titles. And I want you to look and just acknowledge that those five titles are not capitalized. The apostle Paul says he has given apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And these are the apostle Paul's ministry titles. These are his descriptions of the ministry. And here's what he is saying. He's saying that all of you are one of these. So some of you felt like I'm an apostle. Absolutely, yeah, that's great. So now you're being justified in this. Some of you said, I always knew I was a prophetess. I knew this was happening and here it is in scripture. So very simply, this is how the apostle Paul would categorize all all of this. In your notes, if you're looking in the app today, there is a test that you can go take and you can figure out which one of these you are. And I would encourage you to take it. If you're in a small group, small group leaders, make sure everybody takes this. Do it, as a, do it as a group next time you're together and talk about it. It's good, clean fun for everybody. There is a test test and then there's an express test. And it took me about half a second to do the express one. It'll take you about five minutes and it just, it, you, you can go quickly through this. Let me give you some descriptions though. And you just kind of identify whether or not you think this might be you. An apostle is someone who is always thinking about new things. They bridge barriers. They're thinking about the future. A prophet is someone who challenges the status quo. Not someone who tells everybody they're wrong, by the way. A prophet is someone who challenges the status quo. An evangelist is someone who challenges us to engage with people who are not a part of what's happening yet. In the church, there are people who help us engage the community and the wider mission of the church and we helps us engage outsiders. 
A shepherd is someone who nurtures and protects and seeks to develop others. Often many of our group leaders, this is where you would, you would fall. Teachers are people who explain, encourage and explain God's truth with wisdom. They're people who hopefully can take complicated things and make them simple. Teachers are not people who make complicated things more complicated, okay? They're people who make them simple. And the apostle Paul says that all of these things work together. Stay with me now. All of these things work together toward equipping the saints. The apostle Paul uses this word saints a lot And he's actually talking about people who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He's talking about Christians. And he uses the word saints. And so you're a saint, by the way, if you follow Jesus and you knew it, right? You were feeling saint-like today, I'm sure. You didn't have to do three miracles or anything like that. The word saint is not a Catholic thing. It's a scriptural thing that just basically means you have been set apart. And the apostle Paul uses this word over and over again to remind you that you have not just been saved by God, but that you have been set apart and given purpose and mission in the kingdom of God. And all of us come together as different races, different economic situations and opinion. All of us are given different gifts, talents, passions, experiences, and it's all supposed to work perfectly together is what the apostle Paul says. We are all as a church, supposed to work perfectly together with all of these different gifts and backgrounds and talents and passions and experiences. I don't know if there's anybody wearing a watch. You don't have to show it off or anything like that. I'm not talking about you're wearing a computer on your wrist, okay? Not Apple watches, not your Fitbit that tells time, not your Garmin, not anything like that, but like an old school watch, Okay, I had love, I've always loved watches as a kid. Mickey Mouse watch, that was what I had to have. Different times, got those at Christmas, all, all that kind of thing. A basic watch that you would get at Walmart for 10 or 15 or $20 or something you would find even at a gas station. Think about this. Simple mechanical watch has 130 components. 130. Now let's take it up a notch. How about a Rolex? I've seen them through glass occasionally. I've never had one on my wrist. I don't know how much they cost. I, don't, I know they're expensive, and so that's why I don't ask. Uh, think about this for a Rolex for a second. It takes 115 components just for the face. Now, those of you who are under the age of 16, the face of a watch has hands. One is longer than the other, and the other is shorter, okay? They're not gonna know how to do this, by the way. They're not, they're digital, okay? But anyway, the face of a Rolex, and I guess it does more than tell time, Um, 115 components. The whole watch itself has 220. Now I grew up loving trains. And what does a train conductor always have in his vest pocket? Pocket watch. I've always had a fascination with pocket watches. I don't don't know why, but I think it's because of the train thing. So I was was looking at watches and this whole concept, this whole idea this week, and I found something that kind of blew me away. I want to show you the, the Patek Philippe Caliber 89 pocket watch. Isn't that beautiful? That, if you were to just get it at Walmart, is $6 million. (laughs) That's the Walmart price. I think it ends in 0.97 somehow. But anyway, and I say that because that's the initial price that it was offered as. And if you do any Googling or searching on this thing this week, you'll find that actually in auctions and things like that, the price goes so high that people end up dropping out. And it's actually has sold for over $20 million at different points. 1,728 
components. 1,728 components, each assembled by hand. And it has the reputation for precision and greatness that can only be accomplished as it's being assembled by hand, one piece at a time. And that's the picture of the church. Every single one of you matter. Every single one of you have a part to play. And without you, we'll never be as great as we could be. The Apostle Paul says he's given you all, he's given us all these gifts to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. In the Greek, the word work literally means something put together by hand, but the Apostle Paul is talking about something different. He's talking about, or something more, I should say. He's talking about Holy Spirit-directed work. And he's saying, as a follower of Jesus, you should never attempt anything that is that apart from the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. And so the flip side is also true. If you incorporate the Holy Spirit with everything, even the small things you put your hands to, then even the small things can be given mission and purpose in the kingdom of God. This is not about busyness. This is about taking every single thing that we do and having it play a part in the building up of the only thing that Jesus ever promised to build, the local church. And you can do this in your everyday work. If part of the work of your life is to be a friend to someone, and I know what it is, and I know that relationships are work, then you should pray and ask God to be controlled by the Holy Spirit so you can be a good friend. If your job that you get a paycheck for is to flip burgers or clean homes or crunch numbers, then you should pray and ask God to be controlled by the Spirit so that the mission and purpose of, of God is evident in your life. If part of the work of your life is to be a parent or to be a spouse, then you should pray and ask God to be controlled by the Spirit so that the mission and purpose of God is evident in all the things that you're doing. If you are a student, then go to school and ask God to use you to expand his kingdom. And if you will ask him to, if the Holy Spirit would infuse the little parts of your life, every day will take on different meaning for you. Every day you'll have a different lens, a different perspective, a different way of looking at things. And so many people go through life and they're just busy. And in our busyness, we forget to ask the spirit of God to use us to do the things that only God can do. Even if you're serving in the church, you can serve and do a lot of things in the church and just be busy. You can greet at the door in the parking lot or serving kids ministry or students or, or whatever it is and it just be busy work and it not be as fulfilling as you thought it might be. But if you will take a moment and say, God, would you infuse this by the power and control of your Holy Spirit and do something that only you can do, he'll take even the little things and make them great. You'll be able to welcome the garlic guy as he walks in in Jesus' name. It will be awesome. Even the little things can be great. But the Apostle Paul is talking about something even more than just the everyday work of your life. The next phrase, he says, for the building up of the body of Christ. Again, the body, the church. And combined with the next phrase, he paints a couple of pictures that I just wanna give to you. He's talking about two things. He's talking about creating a home and serving a meal. I love when someone says, I came to your church and I don't mean my church, but they would say this to you too. I came to your church and it felt like home. And I love when they're surprised by it. 
but it's exactly what we are supposed to be trying to do. I came to your church and, and then you kind of wait for it. Like, was the music okay? Was the talk okay? Did they get a good parking spot? All those kinds of things. Because those are going to be the things that help them land in the seat and stay and be a part of the family, right? No, 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 no. Actually, there's so many times where people, they can't even quantify it. And maybe this is the case for you. If not, I hope it will be where the only thing that you can say about your experience here is that I came to the church and it felt like home. And there's some people that are surprised by that because they don't think the church goes with them. People are struggling with sin or addiction or issues of identity or sexuality or atheists or agnostics or sinners, but uh, cynics or whatever it might be. Whoever you are, wherever you're coming from, I want you to hear just two words today. If you don't think you belong here, listen to me. Welcome home. Here in the right place. And in this place, you will find a God who loves you and who loves you too much and he's loved me too much to leave me the where, the, to the, in the place that I am. He accepts us the way that we are, but he loves us too much to leave us this way, but he wants to make us into the image of his son. So welcome home. That's the first picture the apostle Paul is trying to create. The second one is that of serving a meal. I want you to think about the last time you were at a really nice sit down restaurant, okay? So this, this is not Cracker Barrel. That's the first one that comes to my mind, okay? But this is not Cracker Barrel or Longhorn. I'm talking about the kind of place where they make sure your water glass doesn't go too far down. You know what I'm talking about? Where you feel like maybe you have sinned. They're there so fast to fill it back up. Like I just wanted a sip of water. It, yes, sir. And they'd fill it right back up. The kind of place where you have to Google what is that fork for? That's the kind, that's the kind of place that I want you to think about for just a moment. And I want you to think about all the people who are waiting on you in those moments. Someone greeted you at the door and opened it for you. Someone took your name and said, we'll let you know when your table is ready. Someone came and called out your name and they sat you at your table and they handed you the menu. Then that guy or gal filled up your water glass and they made sure it didn't get too low for the entire meal. Someone else brought bread. This is my person, by the way. I love the bread person, all right? Whoever they are, I'm going to wink. I'm going to nod. I'm going to say, keep it coming. It's keep, make it hot. It's all the, all the things. The bread people are my people. Someone else took your order and they became attentive to you during your entire experience. In fact, they're the ones who introduced themselves to you and they are the face for the rest of the team. A team of different people that you will probably never see actually prepare the meal. Someone may be playing some music softly in the background. Someone else comes along towards the end of your meal and asks if you had a good experience. And after you leave, another team of people who you will never see will clean up all the forks you didn't use. They will clean up your plates. They will wipe the breadcrumbs away and they prepare for the next guest. And every single one of them has a part to play. The Apostle Paul says the job of the church is to create a home and to invite people to come and sit at the table of God, to come and get the meal, to come and get God's word, to come and get the worship. And if you're here as part of the church and you're serving the meal, don't worry, you will get to eat as well, but we're not just here for you. But there is another portion that goes along with this. The thing that maybe you didn't think goes with this that if you understand how it does, it can increase and strengthen the vitality of your Christian life today. I wanna to look at verses 13 and 14 again. Apostle Paul says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So he's talking about growth and spiritual maturity. 
so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. I want to put 11 and 12 and 13 and 14 together and not treat them separately. And I want you to see this. Spirit-directed work, especially work that plays a part in the building of the body of Christ is absolutely necessary for solidly rooted faith. As a follower of Jesus, if you don't dig in and play your part and discover your ministry work, you are in jeopardy of creating disunity, of not growing spiritually and ultimately falling away from the faith. We don't typically put these things together. Normally unity and knowledge are on a different menu. Knowledge and maturity are on a different menu. Knowledge is thought of the thing that keeps you grounded in the faith. And some of you get discouraged because you feel like you don't know enough. But can I tell you, knowledge in and of itself will cause you to fall away. Unity, knowledge, and maturity are often associated as the characteristics of the the super Christian. However, Bible study and knowledge gained in isolation does not equal spiritual maturity. Not even gained in a group, as important as that is. Understand me, these are crucial. Should you read your Bible and pray as an individual, the best that you know how, even in little portions? Yes. Should you be in a group? Yes, please. It's crucial. But doing those things in isolation will not leave you with solidly rooted faith. Many people never put this together. You can read your Bible every single day. You can know it forwards and backwards and eventually wash out. And it's frightening to watch it as it happens. There's so many people that know God's word. They've got stuff underlined. They've got stuff highlighted. They read it faithfully every day. They say a a repetitious prayer that they've said every day and they're really good people. But when the tragedies of life come or when something happens in the culture that they don't know how to deal with, they ultimately wash out. Why? Because they've never taken what they've learned and put it into play for growing the kingdom of God. In James chapter one, James takes it a step further. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Because if you do that, you're deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Listen to what James is saying. This is a warning today from scripture. James says that only hearing, only coming to church or only reading your Bible Even if you do those things faithfully, those things can distort your view and cause you to fall away. We see it happen all the time. People that know this word forwards and backwards. And the thing that most people don't recognize that they go together is engaging in spirit-directed work and solidly rooted faith. This is not about busyness. This is about asking the spirit of God to use you in building the kingdom of God. And it can be simple. Romans chapter 12, verse one, the apostle Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I love what Eugene Peterson says in the message. He says, so here's what I want you to do. This is Romans chapter 12, verse one from the message. Here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life. He's not adding things to you. 
You're sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Take the little things, take the mundane things and ask the spirit of God to fill you and to use you and to breathe out something fresh and new. Before I walk out on this stage, you'll find me with my hands open saying, God, if it's just my words, then I have wasted all of their time and mine and his. But spirit-directed words bring life, breathe life change in ways that we never saw coming. And nothing is better than using your ability to play the guitar, to do carpentry, to do any kind of work, your gift of hospitality, your gift of giving, your gift of mercy, your gift of helps or serving, whatever it is, nothing is better and more crucial, more vital to your Christian walk than putting those things in play for the building of the kingdom of God. And if you don't do it, the warning is that you may fall away. You can be filled with knowledge and miss it. And I see people get hit with different circumstances in their life like grief, or fear, or busyness, or God asked them to do something and they just say, it's just too much, God, it's too big, it's too uncomfortable, I can't do it. And they don't engage with all the things they've been reading. But what would be possible if this room full of people, students, and adults, If we were to wake up every day and say, God, take this life, my one and only life. And could I be under the control of your spirit today as I go to that job that I really have a hard time thanking you for, God? But thank you. As I deal with that neighbor that I really have a hard time thanking you for, God. But thank you. As I deal with that teacher or professor God, help me in some way to answer their questions in such a way, not, not even though it's gonna add fuel to their fire that they, that they think I'm crazy and out there and not of this world. God, would, you, would your Holy Spirit somehow use my words in everyday conversation to, to do something to hearts and to draw them to the Savior so that I might be a part of building up of the kingdom of God. God, for the barista, who made my coffee that I ordered on my phone because I really don't want to talk to people. God, can you help the quick interaction that I have with them do something? It's every little thing. And then maybe, maybe it's getting involved and actually building up this house and being one of the people that welcomed you at the door. Because when you first got here, you couldn't believe and thought something was wrong with the people that were grinning so big when you walked in. But we're glad you're here. We cre- we've, we're creating a home for you. We wanna serve you. Now you be a part of serving the meal and setting the table. For kids, for students, for people in different parts of the world that God has allowed us to touch. Listen, if we don't engage with this, We fall away, we fall out. People equate solidly rooted faith with so many other things. Jesus sent the disciples out pretty quickly 
Eugene Peterson says he sent them out like butterflies to machine guns. They didn't have everything they needed. They didn't know it all, but they knew that God, that Jesus wanted them to build his kingdom. And so they went out and they did it. What could happen if we all engaged in spirit-directed work every single day, every single week, if we repeated it over and over and over again? What happens when you repeat a sound? The Apostle Paul says, without this, you get tossed to and fro from, by the waves. I was thinking about waves this week. The Apostle Paul's talking about being in a boat, being tossed in a storm. I get that. I was thinking about sound, sound waves. What happens as the things that happen in this house every Sunday and truly every day of the week, just about repeat over and over and over again. Then the message goes out. The message goes out over and over and over again that there's a God who accepts you, that there's a God who loves you, that there's a God who loves you so much he doesn't wanna leave you the way you are, but he's got plans and purpose and mission for you on into eternity. What if that sound continually echoed from this place? An echo is just a repeated sound. It repeats over and over and over again and it bounces back. And as our culture has so many different messages and so many different sounds, we have got to be loud from this house. There was a sound in North Paulding this week of racism. And it's reverberated and echoed throughout this community. And can I tell you, it needs to be countered. If it's not countered by anybody else, it will be countered from this house over and over again to say, that's not okay. God created the colors and he wants us to unite together and to march forward together into his kingdom by his power and by his glory. Wherever, wherever the sound is heard, you're not good enough. Wherever the sound is heard, you shouldn't be here. Wherever the sound is here, wherever the sound is heard that you don't matter anymore, it will be countered from this place, but it needs to be countered by more than a pastor. It needs to be countered by thousands of us engaging in spirit-directed work and sending out the sound, the echo of the message of Jesus Christ. Let's set the table and let's create a home that's heard wherever God allows us to reach and touch for his sake. Would you pray with me, please? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Today on that card that you received coming in, or if you were to text launch to that number that they'll have up at the end here, you can also sign up to serve. You can, you can sign up to get involved and discover your God-directed work right here in this church. And I hope that you will because you make a difference. We are not as great an instrument as we would be with you sitting on the sidelines. But every single one of you have the opportunity to have spirit-directed work every single day. So believer in Jesus Christ, you hear a message on, on serving and the necessity of it to stabilize your faith. What do you do with that? My encouragement to you today 
is to begin every day saying, God, may your spirit direct my work this week. My work as a student, my work at my job, my work as a spouse, my work as a parent, my work as a friend. Spirit of the living God, would you fill me, control me, direct me? You're here today, if you're watching online, would you pray that prayer for one week? Just one week, every day, one week, that's all I'm asking. And it's that quick. That took me 16 seconds, I think. It can take you six, it can take you three. Just say, Spirit, direct me today and see your life through his lens and let him stabilize you in a culture and in circumstances far from him. If you're here today, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, then the the spirit of God wants to direct you, but cannot until you put your faith in Christ. And so today, if you'd like to do that, our prayer team will be here on either side of the stage. I'd love for you to come up and for us to talk with you in person, face to face about what it means for you that Jesus died on the cross for you and is risen from the dead for you, for your sins, for your mistakes that we've all made. You're not like anybody else in that regard in this house. But God himself offers you salvation today and I'd love for you to extend it. If you brought someone with you today and you think maybe that they need to come pray with someone about that, why don't you bring them after the service and let's stop and let's pray together and perhaps someone would receive salvation today before we leave this campus. Spirit of the living God, use us. May your message be louder. May it echo louder than anything else that's happening in a culture that is struggling to find its way. May we help them find their way into the kingdom of God each and every day. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.